shit but me. My name is Lisa Hedger and I am your host. I'm a freelance writer, editor, and journalist in Central Ohio. This is the podcast where we analyze super popular literature. Today, I am going to be talking about a brand new book, Emma Straub's This Time Tomorrow. There will be no spoilers since it is such a new book. And I'm going to share with you three things I loved and three things I didn't love. And it will give you an idea if this might be a book that you want to read. Before we jump into things, please consider liking, following, subscribing to me, however you listen to podcasts, that would really, really help. And now we are going to jump into this book, and it is a time travel book, and that's actually one of my favorite genres. And I love talking time travel. Now, on to the show. All right, I am really excited about today's show. A, a lot of times people ask me, you know, how do I choose the books for everyone loved it but me? And basically, I have a long list of books, and many of these are what I would consider backlist titles. Books like Gone Girl, To Kill a Mockingbird, The Alchemist, The Help. I mean, it goes, Verity. Verity's been on my list for a while, you guys very, very popular books. So I'm always tracking what are the most popular books from certain years over time that people are talking about on Instagram and book talk and you name it. So what I do is I try to find super interesting, exciting guests who didn't love those books. And we have this fascinating conversation. And as I've said, sometimes the books uh, on the list I've actually really loved, such as Invisible Life of Addie LaRue and A Man Called Uwe. Now, last week got to be my bit of therapy session, right? It was a Lost Apothecary, super popular book that I didn't love. And this week, I get to have another therapy session because I was reading This Time Tomorrow, a book that I thought I would really, really love. This hits, this is like the perfect comfort food. This is my Grandma Scheidler's mashed potatoes with the sour cream and also do cream cheese. Like, so that's how those mashed potatoes were so incredible. So that's what I thought this book was going to be. This was going to be the perfect book for me, but I didn't love it. And I really wanted to. I'm right in the middle, right on the fence. I didn't hate it, but I'm, I'm on the fence. So here's what we're going to do. I'll give a quick synopsis. I'm going to tell you three things I loved. And I'm going to offer up some of those juicy, everyone loved it, but me statistics. So you know that like everyone does love it. <laughs> and then I'm going to tell you three things I didn't like, but it's all going to be spoiler free. Since this is a new book, it just was released in 2022. You, for the reasons that I maybe didn't like it, you might actually love it. I'm going to give you the premise of this book this time tomorrow. It's time travel, you guys. And I will tell you, I love time travel. There have been a couple time travel books that I don't love, but 
most often I, I love a good time travel book. Alice is on the eve of turning 40. She lives in Brooklyn. She's dating a guy named Matt who lives in Manhattan. She's got a nice job. She's still friends with her best friend from high school, Sam. And what's causing just a lot of stress in her life and is the most difficult thing she's dealing with is her dad, Leonard, is very, very, very sick and he's not able to talk. She visits him in the hospital and it's it's quite heartbreaking. She is turning 40 and she does what I guess a number of people <laughs> perhaps do when they turn 40. She gets really drunk, passes out outside of her dad's house. And when she wakes up, it's 1996 and now it's her 16th birthday. She figures out that she can time travel, but just back to that same day, her 16th birthday, which has a certain method for her time travel. And of course, her goal is, is to try to help her dad from getting sick. She wants to, to prevent this illness. The first thing, number one, I'm going to go on my list of what did I really love about this book? What I really, really, really loved, one thing, was that this wasn't focused on you know a romance per se. It wasn't her trying to, to get back the love of her life. This is a father-daughter story at its heart. That was something that really connected with me. I thought that was pretty cool. So Alice wants to save her dad. What she is doing, what, what does happen, is, is she's kind of savoring more time with him when she's 16. I mean, I kept a mat. This is one of those where you're... You know, I'm a 40-something, and, and I kept wondering, like, wow, what if I if I went back into 16-year-old Lisa, who did all sorts of stupid things, you know? And she got to see her dad be vibrant and healthy and energetic, and she's looking at him with the wisdom of a 40-year-old in the body of a 16-year-old. Yeah, I, I thought that that was pretty cool. Of course, I'll include links in the show notes. You guys know it. The Wall Street Journal calls the novel wonderfully observed. It's Ms. Straub's evocation of the father-daughter relationship that gives this time tomorrow its considerable emotional heft. And it does. That is something that we don't see a lot of in time travel. And I really liked that. And the Boston Globe writes, they just, they hit it on the hammer. What if you could go back in time to be with your elderly dying parent when they were young and healthy? Emma Straub turns this question into reality in her fifth and delightful novel. And though the book's plot may sound like it's based on sci-fi gimmick, which it is, the deeper question it asks is, how do we talk with each other about things that really matter? That is, why do we wait until a loved one is dying before realizing we never found out who they really are? What matters are the perplexing issues Straub uses her novel's conceit to probe, such as the elusive experience of change and the passing of time. Straub is wise enough to know that despite having ample time, it's never enough. I want to point out that I really do feel like there, there is a lot of a beautifully written elements in this book. Right from the beginning, she is letting us know she's already even playing on the words time, right? Time travel starts out, this is the very beginning, and it starts out with that relationship with, with her dad. Time did not exist in the hospital. 
Life is a Las Vegas casino. There were no clocks anywhere, and the harsh fluorescent lighting remained equally bright during the entire stretch of visiting hours. Alice has asked once if they turned off the lights at night, but the nurse didn't seem to hear, or maybe she thought it was a joke. But in either case, she didn't respond. And so Alice didn't know the answer. Her father, Leonard Stern, was still in his bed in the center of the room, attached to more lines and cords and bags and machines than Alice could count and had hardly spoken for a week. And so he wasn't going to tell her either, even if he did open his eyes again. That kind of, that's beautifully written, you guys. I I thought that that was really beautifully written and really sets the stage. That kind of stuff I I really enjoyed. And I just want to counter that with, this is page 72. So of course we know that Alice is going to time travel back to the 90s. And then, you know, we have that heartbreaking description of of Alice and her father and how hard it is. And and we have a lot more that, that explains that as well. But then now, so she wakes up now, she's in 1996 and this will be page 73. It's her 16th birthday, Al pal. Leonard nudged her leg with his toe. Had he always been able to stretch like that? He hadn't moved his body that easily in years. It felt exactly like when she saw her friend's children For the first time, a few years, and all of a sudden, they were full on humans who could skateboard and came up to her shoulders, but in reverse. She'd seen her father every day, then every week or so for her entire life. There was never a gap, a time when she could see him with fresh eyes. She'd been there for every gray hair's arrival, so of course she hadn't noticed when the balance had shifted, when it was more salt than pepper. That, I think, is is where this book really excels because it does, you know, it, it does get you to kind of th- think about things a little bit differently when we have that contrast, right, of a sick dad who's dying and now, you know, when she was 16 and dad was in his 40s, she thought he was super old, but now she just can look at him completely different. The Chicago Tribune points out This time tomorrow explores how the moments that are meaningful may not be immediately apparent. And no matter what foresight and intentionally we may bring to our past, the future remains largely out of our control. Alice's struggle to steer her fate across time has the reader on edge through the latter half of the book. And I do want to say, well, that's something I'll get into, but I really feel like the, this book does hit its stride in, in the latter half. The second thing that I really like about this book is I'm not a New Yorker. I'm a Midwesterner at heart, but I really liked some of the fun moments and, and the fun blurbs and little sneak peeks you get of New York in the 90s. And even the, the New York Times wrote about this, and I thought they described it very well. For anyone who lived in New York in 1996, the book provides sweet snippets of lost memories and associations. Alice recalls her friends lying on the grass in Central Park, 
waiting for JFK Jr. to accidentally hit them with a frisbee, and the pleasures of a fresh bagel from H&H, steam rising off the dough, too hot to hold with her bare hands. But its most complex and scientific evocations are reserved for that relationship between an amiable, if slightly checked out, single father and his city kid daughter. A girl expected to be the solid one in the relationship. What she wants out of time travel is not so much to fix herself, but to unstick her father, who has stalled out romantically and creatively. For her father, storytelling will prove the path forward. For Alice, it's a way to see the richness of the path itself. So that was kind of the, the second thing I really liked was just these glimpses. A lot, I mean, it's, it's, it's set present day and past is all in New York. One of those uh, fun books that here I was reading it kind of early September. It's, I don't know why, but I always like to read some New York books maybe in fall. So I really did enjoy that. And the third thing that I enjoyed, and this is me maybe being a bit of a type A person. Look, when I sit down and read a time travel book, I am fully prepared to suspend disbelief. But I like that there needs to be a little bit, a couple rules, and just some inherent guidelines that the book is going to follow all the way through, okay? Whether it's a book or a TV show or a movie, you know, we all know kind of what the general guidelines were for Marty McFly in Back to the Future, 13 Going on 30, that popular movie with Jennifer Garner, we kind of understood that as well. I, I like that. You know, whether, again, it's, it's a Doctor Who or whatever it is, you kind of know what the general guidelines are. Yes, you're going to suspend disbelief. Here, Alice essentially has to be at her dad's shed between the hours of, you know, three and four in the morning. She has to be kind of outside by her father's guardhouse or potting shed. They call it some different names. And when that happens, she will time travel, but she's only going to time travel back to the same day. And then, mysteriously, when she goes back to sleep in 1996, she always comes back to present day. Do we know exactly how that's happening? No. Do we really understand what it is about three and four in the morning and this guard shed? No, of course we don't. N none of that is really explained, but it doesn't need to be because... We're agreeing to read a book on time travel. We're agreeing to, to suspend disbelief. I'm okay with that. And I like that it, it was consistent. So it's not like it started to change. And suddenly she was, you know, traveling back to a different day. It was always her 16th birthday. And I, I did like that. So I want to give some of those quick, everyone loved it, but me statistics. I want to remind you guys, I, I'd mentioned that this was, you know, written by Emma Straub and published earlier this year. Guys, this was published May 17th, 2022. So I'm talking early September, 2022, not even four months since it has been published. And it's quite popular on Goodreads. It's already at almost 40,000 ratings, 38,000 with a 3.85 out of five stars earlier this year. Vogue put it on its best books of the year so far list readers digest put it on its best books of the year so far kirkus recommends this time tomorrow to kickstart your summer reading 
NPR rave. Straub has come through with another delightful summer read. And as I said, this was released in May. By June 21st, it was announced that Lionsgate is already setting the stage for a screen production. And Jason Moore has been chosen to produce and direct the project. He is actually known for directing a number of hit comedies as Pitch Perfect and Sisters. This will definitely be one that that I know I will watch, even if I don't love the book. I I still enjoy seeing how it's adapted on screen. I think those are some pretty good statistics to show that in such a short period of time, this book is really quite popular. And I just did want to mention a little bit about Emma Straw briefly. So actually, she is author of five novels, now this time tomorrow, All Adults Here, The Vacationers, Modern Lovers, Laura Lamont's Life in Pictures, and the short story collection, Other People We Married. Her books have been published in more than 20 languages. Okay, so as promised, I'm going to give you three reasons why... I didn't love the book. And as I said, these are all spoiler free. The first thing is I felt like it was a slow start. Just took me a while to get into it. If you are preparing to read this book, just kind of let yourself know that, you know, it takes about 80 pages before we get to the first time jump. I felt like there was just not a lot happening and you know we were getting introduced to, to characters and and things like that i do think it hits its stride at about 130 140 pages again for a 300 page book i think you want to kind of hit that stride just a little bit sooner the second thing and you guys this is so odd for me to say but it took me a while to connect with alice which does sound surprising because like I'm a woman in my 40s, you know, and she's just turning 40 and I have elderly parents and I find myself contemplating life and thinking about things and, you know, so I, and I would love to go back to age 16 to, to look at that weird 16 year old Lisa and see what she was doing. It just took me a little while. And then, like I said, once we had Alice at 16, once we're hitting about say page 150 or a little more even, um, then, then I did kind of, I didn't necessarily agree with all her choices, but I, I thought it was interesting, the choices that she made. And I liked to see, you know, what she did. And and then I did start to think like, oh, okay, maybe I wouldn't have made that choice, but that's really interesting. And you know, the best part of time travel, right, is when they go back and they make their choices and they come back to present day, there have to be ramifications, right? <laughs> and so we enjoy seeing those. What are the ramifications? What's happening? And, and that was where, like I said, kind of the slow start, taking a little while to connect. And, and the third, the third reason that I didn't love it is I wanted more with the father and daughter relationship. I think that's what makes this book stand out. That's why I think it's different from other books. And, you know, we we get kind of some of that, which you have, you know, with 13 going on 30 with Alice and her best friend, Sam. And, and that's fine. And I guess that's something we feel like we have to do with a time travel book. We have to bring in the best friend. But 
I just really thought in this book, what stands out is the father-daughter relationship. And I would have loved to have even had more of that. You know, it's not, I understand why, you know, people are like, well, we need the best friend. I, I get that. But to me, I just thought that that was what made this, this book the best. And when we had these father-daughter moments, even in present day, the one I read to you, I mean, that was hard to read. Okay. But, but it was still really, really compelling. And, you know, and then when you get that payoff to see him on that morning in 1996, where he's young and joking around with her and calling her Al Pal, it really, it really makes you, you appreciate it more. So that, that was kind of what, like I said, it was just, I would have liked more of that. And, but overall, like I said, I'm, I'm probably somewhere around a, out of five stars, I I think I would give this three. So I'm kind of right in, in the middle. I feel like that first hundred pages or so I did not like as much, but you know, maybe I would have only given that a two star, but then the second half of the book, if I just rated the second half, I might give that almost a four star. I really like that part. You know, if you like time travel books, if you like that, that type of narrative, I think you might, you might enjoy this one. I will, I'll give the, the old, I'd like to offer up the, you know, everyone hated it, but me, and this is one I don't know that everyone hated. I don't think it gets as much attention when we're talking about those time travel books. And that is Uana out of order. So what happens on that one is she is living her life, but on December 31st at midnight, she jumps to a different age. So she starts out at say 21 and then she could jump to 45 and then jump to 32. And I, I really enjoyed that book. That is one that, that I think you, you might as might enjoy as well. I do. And this is a book that I actually hope more of you do read because I want to talk about it with more people. I think they're and like I said, I'm not bringing up any spoilers, so I'll have to do, you know, you can DM me, don't post publicly or anything, any of the spoilers. I don't honestly think you're going to be too surprised with how the book turns out. I think it, it will be what you expected. And, and I was fine with that, the ending or anything that didn't bother me. It was kind of what, what I expected would happen. But like I said, I really do feel like it. this book hits its stride almost halfway. And it is... And that part of it I really did enjoy, and it it was some good comfort food for me. I just kind of wanted it to happen a little. I wanted it to happen sooner, and I wanted to feel more connected to Alice, and I wanted to see more of that relationship with she and her dad earlier. I want to thank you so much for listening to the show. Please let me know if you read this one. Let me know if you like it, don't like it, where you stand or love it, or maybe you're in the middle like I am. If you've got that perfect Everyone Loved It But Me book, please reach out to me at my website, www.everyoneloveditbutme.com. And I appreciate you so much for listening to the show. And I hope that you have a lovely day. And most importantly, I hope you get time to read.